Dottie Taylor hoped to turn over a new leaf with Liam Cambridge, her sister's 20-something-year-old hot yet mysterious boyfriend. But instead of building what could have been the foundation of an amicable relationship, Aunt Patty grew even more suspicious of Liam while cruising the seas of paradise. From day one, there was something about that guy that just screamed suspicious as fuck. He would shy away from even answering straightforward questions like, how are your parents? How many siblings do you have? Where'd you grow up? Aunt Patty couldn't shake the uneasy feeling Liam gave her. He would respond with some weak one-word answer or would ignore the question altogether. I said anyone with bare minimum common sense could see this guy was hiding something, like an imposter in plain sight. I was just frustrated because Virginia refused to acknowledge what everyone else could clearly see. After the trip ended, Aunt Patty took matters into her own hands. She began to investigate. I knew my sister wouldn't leave the guy unless I came with something concrete. You know, the type of information that would make someone get the hell out of Dodge. Otherwise, it'd be Patty's just being dramatic and doing the most like always. While on the trip, Patty recalled two key facts mentioned in passing in regards to Liam Cambridge's basketball career. So we're at the captain's dinner and Jake begs Liam to tell the family the funny story about the time he was hooping at State. So I say, oh, well that's interesting. Which state college would that be? And he responds, oh, somewhere in the swamps, you know, an area that you and your beautiful sister would never venture off to if you're smart. And here go Virginia's ass laughing and cackling like his ass is Dave Chappelle. I thought the shit was a motherfucking threat. So did he ever tell you? No, but the dummy gave me all the information I needed. Liam had no idea my sister told me about the first time they met and how he bragged about ridding himself of the southern accent he always hated growing up. I thought to myself, who the hell changes the way they talk unless they got something to hide? So Patty looked up all the states down south with swamps. Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, and a few other pockets. Then she cross-referenced every state school with a major basketball program that fell in the vicinity of wetlands. I called damn near everyone and their mama, and nobody had ever heard of the name Liam Cambridge. That is until she got a hold of the highly decorated assistant coach Benjamin Davies over at Mississippi State. As I'm speaking to this guy, he stops me and goes, do you mean William Alexander? Here's Coach Davies. I said something to the effect of, I don't know the other guy you're asking about, but sounds close to a talented kid we recruited some years back. But due to injuries, we couldn't make things work here at State. Not to mention he flew off the rails, went complete whack job on us. And when he said the kid went off the rails, I knew I was on to something. She asked Coach Davies if he could send her a picture, possibly of his high school signing day. He agreed. And a little over a week later, an attachment found its way into Aunt Patty's inbox. I opened the email and I was like, boom, I got your lying conniving ass. The handsome white kid with the shaggy blonde hair smiling next to the coaches from Mississippi State was indeed the guy Patty was looking for. Only his real name was William Cambridge Alexander, and not the abbreviated Liam, which Patty came to discover was his nickname. He attended Mississippi State on a full basketball scholarship. But there was more to Liam Cambridge's story during those college years and after, as Patty would soon find out. The news stories, everything that's happened is just unthinkable. 
I mean, you don't want to believe that a guy you used to date in college could go down a path like that, you know? Pamela Estevez and Liam Cambridge met during freshman orientation at Mississippi State. By fall semester, they were officially an item. I mean, he was a cute guy. Everyone enjoyed being around him, and he had a way of even making the professors laugh. A couple of girls were definitely feeling some type of way when he made things Facebook official. Were they mad? Nothing but jealousy, of course. You know how it is. I mean, who doesn't want the attention of the athlete, you know? Some freshman girls make it their mission to lock down the athletes. Or, you know, like the fraternity guys. I didn't have to try, though. If Aunt Patty had her suspicions about Liam's portrayal as a good guy with legitimate intentions, the people who knew him best from those college days, like Pamela, would have trouble comprehending the accusations levied at Liam in the media these days. I've read everything from the think pieces to the outrage articles on Twitter to even the special for ESPN's 30 for 30. I mean everything. And still, that's just not the guy I knew. I didn't see it then, and I struggle to see it now. William Alexander was someone different. He was a good kid. From Layer TV, this is the AAU Murders. I'm Banks McVally. This is Episode 2, All in the Family. The parents who allowed their kids to join the Rochester Crusaders 15U AAU team had good reason to trust the young coach guiding their children's basketball futures. Not only did Liam know the game in and out, but he touted the ungodly talent of Jake Collins, a preseason top 25 high school boys player ranked by Max Preps. So if Virginia trusted her NBA caliber son with the likes of this unknown coach, then the other parents had good reason to follow suit. Their bet soon paid off as the Rochester Crusaders racked up early victories in major tourneys across New York State. But it was the Super Showcase out in Buena Vista, Florida, that put the squad on the map with clips of Jake's skills going viral, with millions of views across YouTube. All of the notoriety began to trickle down, highlighting Liam's coaching ability. For the first time in his life, he became part of the national basketball conversation, something he desperately craved since he was a young boy. Is Jake Collins the next LeBron? ESPN Top 10 features no other than Jake Collins, a freshman who's drawing the attention of the likes of Syracuse's Jim Beheim and Duke's Coach K, amongst others. Liam Cambridge was born in Mississippi, the only child of a drug addict. But after the death of his mother at a young age, he became the product of the foster care system. He spent years bouncing between states, eventually landing in Smyrna, Georgia, a small town 20 minutes outside of Atlanta. Just before high school, Liam was adopted by Lily and Jameston Alexander, a well-off family with three other children. Jameston was a pediatric doctor, while Lily was a magazine editor and part-time novelist who spent most of her time at home. Liam's new family was beyond wealthy, and for the first time in his life, he felt wanted. He got along with his siblings, and like them, he poured his heart into sports. But basketball is where he truly shined. He played shooting guard for the Spartans at Campbell High School. Liam had skills, man. He could pull up and catch a J from anywhere. He was good looking too, so naturally he got the reputation as a ladies' man. Jason Kirschnick, a friend of Liam's, was also on the team during that time. 
He remembers Liam as a class clown who got into trouble from time to time. So I remember we had a playoff game coming up, and uh, so our whole season was on the line. And, you know, he's our star player. You know, he's putting up 20 points a game, in and out. Then he rolled his ankle in practice just a few days before. Did he play? Well, his dad was a doctor, so, you know, the coach, of course, made him sit out just to be safe and whatever I'm guessing. But I remember Liam was just on the bench going ballistic, like, wilding out. As our opponent starts blowing us out, whatever you want to call it, I just start hearing a bunch of fuck yous, bitches, and all types of wild shit getting exchanged. And, you know, I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? We're trying to have a game. But it was Liam, his father, and the coach just going at it. Right there on the sidelines? Yep. And by halftime, of course, Liam got his way. I mean, he's a star player. And he entered the game, one hell of an effort too, but it was it was just too late. I mean, we had to end up losing. It's another blowout, but <sighs> poor coach ended up getting fired after it. Super controversial too for our small town, you know. They leech on every little bit of trauma, but Liam's pops made sure Liam came out of it unscathed. Were the Alexanders behind the firing? <sighs> they never admit it, but I suppose so. Alexander's had a lot of influence over Smyrna. Another classmate remembered Liam and the Alexander family. Here's Sammy Joseph. I was a cheerleader, and to me, Liam was just over-competitive. One time he was playing 21 with a few of his teammates in the gym after school. 21? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. You know every man for himself. Well, Liam was losing, and I mean losing bad. But instead of keeping chill, he ends up throwing the ball in one kid's face. A tussle sort of breaks out, but it doesn't last. The kid just walked off, pissed. Did the kid fight back? Nope, because they knew better, and no one wanted to deal with retaliation from the Alexander family. To them, sports were much more than just a game, and they didn't take losing lightly. They did whatever it took to win, even if it meant rigging the system to their favor. And Liam's desire to always come out on top, even to the detriment of others, was something I heard over and over again. Whether it was with girls... Man, Liam had all the girls. It was so bad to the point to where a new girl would enroll in the school, Liam was on it. And they would all battle it out, all of our friends, to see who could become the boyfriend first. Just like total jackasses. With grades. Yeah, I totally remember writing quite a few papers for Liam. It was all about getting the A to him, and I liked helping. I really did. He was so nice, and I guess it was sort of manipulative, if I'm honest. And especially basketball. After high school, Liam went on to Mississippi State on an athletic scholarship. Assistant coach Benjamin Davies ran summer workouts for the newbies. That summer, I really took to Liam. He had a hard work ethic that stood out and put some of the other more naturally talented guys on notice. Now, he couldn't jump out of the gym or nothing crazy like that, but he always made the hustle play, whether it was taking charge on the biggest cat on the team or just uh, diving for the loose ball, you know? Man, he was the type of teammate you dream of playing with. Fundamentally sound, unselfish, and willing to go the extra mile. And Liam Cambridge pushed his body to the brink. I'd be lying if I sat here and said I wasn't impressed. I mean, here's this kid in the gym two hours before the rest of the team, putting up hundreds of shots. I mean, shit, some days he was the last to leave, too. You could just see how bad this kid wanted it. Wanted what? The fans, the recognition and the love. I mean, the stuff he wanted, you'd only find in the history books. And you were determined to help him? Of course, that's my job. My purpose is to win games, and our team does that by investing in our players. When the season kicked off, Liam took pride in a role coming off the bench. 
He averaged under six points, playing just under 10 minutes per game. But he knew his time would soon come, and he was focused on being prepared for the moment. Coach Davies remembers the first time Liam expressed interest in studying game footage. He knew mastering the game off the court was just as important as his play on the court. Yeah, that was Liam. He just wouldn't quit. When he wanted to do something, he made sure he got it his way. Soon, Liam began going to Coach Davies' house to watch film after games. I mean, at first everything was fine, but after the season ended, something sort of switched with the kid. One night, the two were drinking Bud Lights and Liam started making inappropriate jokes. He was 18 at the time. He was sort of like, uh, do you think the other players would approve of me being your favorite? And I just kind of laughed. I was like, "Uh, I mean, yeah, buddy, you're clearly drunk because he was. The comment caught Coach Davies off guard. But what happened next, Coach Davies never told a soul. That is, until today. He was swaying, ripping his clothes off, falling all over the place. So I'm thinking, either this kid's on something stronger than beer, he's faking and being a complete asshole. Soon, Liam was down to nothing but his briefs. And then he just jumps into my bed and I'm freaking the fuck out. In my mind, I'm like, I mean, what the hell were you even thinking, letting this kid over here? The next morning, Liam joked about blacking out. Yeah, he made more than one suggestion about me taking advantage of him. I don't know if the kid was on some heavy drugs or not, but I told him to get the hell out of my house. Coach Davies didn't hear from Liam again until the start of summer workouts. A week in, Liam suffered a gruesome ACL tear on a routine cut to the basket. A freak accident, and in this sport, shit happens. I felt bad for the kid at first, but then he started spazzing out, wouldn't even let the medical staff touch him. I mean, we had to fly his dad out, turn into a whole mess. Dr. Alexander threatened legal action against the staff for treatment of Liam. He said they were at fault for Liam's injuries. Liam started making up all these lies about the program. Kid's crazy-ass father even spit in one of the other coaches' faces, and next thing you know, a brawl's about to break out in the campus hospital. On top of that, a mysterious tip found its way to the local newspaper, accusing the Mississippi State coaching staff of unethical recruiting practices. The tip claimed that staff used cash bribes to sign black kids from poor neighborhoods. Soon, another rumor spread across campus accusing coaches of having inappropriate relationships with the players. The NCAA opened an investigation. I thought, well, this is it. This lunatic's going to ruin my career, bring the whole goddamn program down in the process. But as soon as the trouble began, the controversy seemed to fade away as no credible source stepped forward. The NCAA dropped their investigation with Mississippi State, and after only one year at the school, Liam transferred back home to Georgia, deciding to enroll at Georgia State. With Liam near the familiarity of home, he was able to recover while holding out hope for a return to the basketball court. He called old friends from his days playing basketball at Campbell High School. Here's Jason Kirschnick. Now, I can tell you was devastated. I mean, ACL tears ain't no joke. <laughs> just ask D. Rose. And it takes damn near nine months just to recover, and that's if you're lucky. Liam was one of the lucky ones. He took his recovery in stride, and although he missed his second year of balling, he eyed the possibility of trying out for Georgia State as a walk-on the following year. Being back in Metro Atlanta increased the likelihood of running into other childhood friends. Marcus Jackson was eating hot wings at J.R. Crickets in Midtown, when he saw Liam and Jason Kirschnick walk in. I was like, hey, yo, what's really good, Willie Ho-Ho? 
Willie Ho-Ho, a nickname Marcus gave Liam when they were kids. A joke at the time to see who could pull the most girls. Man, Marcus and Liam were legends. Their parents knew each other. We all played the same sports on the same teams. and Did the whole sleepover thing, you know, just everything together. But they really kicked it. And everyone in Smyrna knew Marcus and Liam were best friends, so it was cool to see them reconnect. As the boys caught up, Marcus let slip that he'd just transferred back to Georgia and would be a part of Georgia State's basketball team for the upcoming season. Liam's eyes lit up. Here's Jason. I remember Liam quickly saying, me too. And Marcus was like, oh, for real? Here's Marcus. I was just like, where you been, bro? Because we were already practicing daily by that point. Then Liam just started coming up with all these excuses. It's like, dude, you barely just started walking again from your surgery. We're just joking back and forth. You know how it is. But, you know, you could just tell. Liam just, it was, he, was, he just felt some type of way. Soon, Marcus found out about Liam's devastating injury. He proposed to do everything in his power to try and get Liam onto the Georgia State basketball team as a walk-on. So we started hitting the gym again. I mean, we hit the weights, then go back on the courts, started hooping. And I could see, you know, he was starting to get himself back, like, you know, hitting the shots, you know, layups, crossovers. Like, he was really just hitting. It looked like the old Liam I knew. But the little progress he made still wasn't enough. Georgia State didn't even grant Liam Cambridge a tryout. Instead, they offered him a position as the team's water boy. To add insult to injury, Marcus Jackson soared as the team's leading scorer, earning the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. Once again, the spotlight Liam craved eluded him. Ooh boy, that was a frustrating time. I mean, you just gotta imagine, I'm friends with both of them, right? So. You have on one side, Liam throwing shade, you know, it almost felt fake, you know, he's talking about Marcus behind his back, and then next thing you know, he's staying at his mama's crib. You know, I mean, I get it. He was probably sick of commuting back and forth from Smyrna to GSU, but... Dr. Cicely Jackson, Marcus's mom, insists that it was her son who suggested Liam begin living with them. Marcus, on the other hand, says that it was the other way around. Either way, both agree on one thing. Liam was accepted by the family with open arms and was treated by Dr. Jackson as one of her own. Monique Jackson, Marcus's sister, was a senior in high school around the time Liam started living with the family. One night over dinner, mom blurts out that Liam was going to become a teacher. She was going to help him get the hours needed for classroom certification, too. We were all so happy for him. Rosa Parks Leadership Academy was founded in 2004 as an all-girl unit of the Atlanta Public School District with a school-wide focus on STEM. What began as a small middle school quickly ballooned to a full-grade 6-12 through 12 program, and the school leader responsible for the school's rise was none other than Dr. Cicely Jackson. Dr. Jackson was well-respected, and the Academy's 100% graduation rate made them a rare light in the community especially in the 30318, a zip code with some of the highest crime and poverty rates in the city of Atlanta. I educate and help kids, even the ones no one wants to teach. I used to say, send them all my way because those babies aren't problems. They're going to do something great one day. And to Sicily, Liam was no different. I thought, oh my God, this boy. He just fills a room with his presence, but there's... Something more there, something brewing under the surface. I couldn't put my finger on it then, but for some reason I felt compelled to help him, and I did watch him grow. So that was another thing. Cicely did more than just help Liam. Upon graduation, Dr. Jackson gave Liam his first teaching assistant job 
right at Rosa Parks Leadership Academy. Her son Marcus rode a successful season right to a declaration for the NBA draft. Here's Monique. My mom and Liam threw this huge get-together for Marcus on draft night. Everyone was there, and we knew Marcus had slim to no chance of going first round, but he was projected as a possible late second rounder. So we just sat and drank until they announced the last name. I just, I just remember how quiet it got when we realized what happened. Marcus went undrafted. My brother just went to his room and sort of holed up. The only person he'd let in was Liam, and I swear they'd be in there for days. I guess Liam was a comfort for my brother, the same way Marcus was for him during Liam's time as Georgia State's water boy. Marcus's letdown was only temporary. He became an unrestricted free agent and went on to join the Indiana Pacers for Summer League with the hopes of at least securing a G League roster spot. Monique left that summer for The Ohio State University to begin her first semester of college. Here's Cicely. The house was empty. I was alone for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> so I told Liam, look, let's go find you an apartment and get you on your way too. They found Liam a modest studio apartment near Howell Mill. Cicely not only paid Liam's deposit, but also first month's rent and even helped pick out furniture. For some reason, he just refused to ask his parents for help. Not sure if they had a falling out or something. I didn't ask because I know how it can be. I said, well, you can just pay me back after you get your first couple of paychecks. By this time, Cicely promoted Liam to a full-time position in the fall, teaching ninth grade English for $46,000 a year. She also told Liam that he could stop by for meals if he ever grew hungry. It takes a while adjusting to bills and your finances in general when you're just starting out. Soon, Liam took Cicely up on her offer. He began stopping by for dinner almost nightly after work. Visits became so frequent, Cicely co-signed on a Lexus two-door for Liam, and they began carpooling to work in secret. The original thinking was saving on gas. Atlanta traffic can be a mess. I'm not sure when things became more than that. One night, Liam brought over a bottle of Ciroc with cranberry. He told her he couldn't imagine how she felt living in such a big house all alone. It did get lonely at times. One day everyone's there and then they're not. The next thing you know, your day just becomes work, eat, watch some TV, then sleep on repeat. Liam asked if she ever heard of Netflix as he guided her upstairs toward the bedroom. He rubbed my shoulders and told me to relax. He poured us another shot, rolled up some weed, and said it was for comfort. And? And like a dummy, I threw it back. I puffed two or whatever they call it nowadays. They didn't watch Netflix long. Cicely was 53, and he was barely 21. Getting high, belligerent, and drunk became Liam's daily ritual, only second to having sex with Cicely. I remember asking him, do you feel ashamed about what we're doing? And he snapped at me like, bitch, do I look ashamed? I, I don't know what came over me, but I just remember slapping him. And Liam slapped her back. 
I just sat there and fell in disbelief. I was so mad at myself. Like, what in the world am I doing putting myself through this bullshit? Of course, he apologized and promised he would never put his hands on me like that again in that way. But I I don't know. At that point, I didn't know what to think. The blow to the face left Dr. Cicely Jackson with more than a black eye. The side of her face was swollen, and her once beautiful brown skin was now black and blue. She called off work for almost two weeks. Yeah, those days between Liam and I were pretty strained. Even had to have one of my doctor friends fake a cancer scare for me to have a credible reason to miss work. I feel horrible for admitting that to you. Even still, Cicely didn't call things off, choosing instead to remain committed to her abuser. I was so foolish. I hadn't even stopped being mad at myself for thinking I could need someone that way. He was so angry and spiteful. He didn't want me to speak to my kids, especially Marcus. He would snatch my phone right out of my hands and send Marcus and Monique both to voicemail. It didn't matter who was calling. The Thanksgiving holiday was quickly approaching and Dr. Jackson's kids had major developments of their own. The Indiana Pacers called Marcus up from the Fort Wayne Mad Ants when multiple injuries riddled the team's starting lineup. Finally, the rare opportunity Marcus craved had arrived. Here's Marcus. Naturally, one of the first people I called was Liam. We were both screaming and, you know, just happy as hell. Then I was like, yo, we played the Hawks, so I'm going to be home next week. Liam interrupted his friend and asked if Marcus called his mother yet to let her know the good news. I told him, nah, not yet, but I'm actually about to call her now. What's up? And he's like, no, 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 you don't even need to do that. You're my boy, blah, 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 blah. So you get into town and let me handle the rest. So I'm listening like, this cat is about to throw me a lit surprise party or some shit. So I was excited. I'm not even going to front. Liam indeed had plans. The night before the showdown between the Pacers and the Hawks, Liam picked Marcus up from Atlanta Hartsfield. I put my bags in the trunk and got in the car, and immediately Liam's like, what's your number? I'm confused, and he punches me in the chest. Like, what jersey number are you going to wear? Marcus was set to suit up wearing the number six during his pro debut. And this fool pulls a big-ass bottle of Henny from under his seat and goes, okay, six shots to start the night off. I'm looking around, and we're legit in a parked loading zone, still at the terminal, pouring up. (laughs) Motherfuckers pounding on their horns and shit for us to move. The celebration continued into the night, and soon the boys were popping bottles at Magic City, the legendary strip club in downtown ATL. This guy's buying bottles left and right, and we're both getting fucked up. Despite the partying and heavy drinking, Marcus noticed Liam's attention drifting more and more over to his cell phone. He was just being weird as fuck. So I was like, what's up? What girl got you stressing over your phone so much? He kind of laughed and brushed me off before just saying that he wanted to do some freaky shit. They both were beyond drunk. I said, fuck it. I'm with the bullshit. Marcus suggested they call a taxi, but Liam suggested otherwise. They had a mini scuffle walking back to Liam's Lexus before Marcus finally gave in. He said he had an Airbnb for us right up the street and told me not to worry because he was good to drive. They pulled into the driveway of a luxurious home in Inman Park. Liam told Marcus that he had a girl waiting inside that the two of them would take turns sharing. And he goes, you ever heard of a glory hole? 
I'm sitting there waiting for the motherfucker to start laughing or to just say he was just kidding. But this guy was dead serious. Liam then showed Marcus naked images of the girl. The pictures were pulled from a back page listing. He went inside and told me to give him 20 minutes and then it'd be my turn. <sighs> Those are some of the longest 20 minutes of my life. I think I threw back another five shots of Henny just sitting there. I was basically blacked out by that point. Earlier that day, Liam woke Sicily up to breakfast in bed. The surprise gesture was complete with tunes playing in the background by her favorite artist, Luther Vandross. No, I was not expecting that, but it felt like a cute gesture, especially after the difficult weeks I was having. Like, kids can be very rambunctious leading up to Christmas break. He told me just lay back, relax for once. Liam also told Sicily that the day would be dedicated to her. Then we went to Benihana's for lunch, and I'm like, okay, what's really going on? I'm suspicious of everything. Did he finally realize how special I am and that he couldn't live without me? I'm just basically a gigantic ball of tears at this point. But Liam wasn't done. He booked her a session at Massage Envy, and then surprised her with a weekend getaway at an Airbnb in the quiet neighborhood of Inman Park. It started out as the day of my dreams. Liam began rushing around the Airbnb home, ensuring Sicily was happy and comfortable. He then told her to settle in because he'd be stepping out for a few to run errands. He promised upon his return that he'd unveil to her the final surprise in the master bedroom. I'm okay, just lounging around for the rest of the day. It got pretty late, so I just fell asleep on the couch. I assumed he forgot about me and got drunk. Dr. Cicely Jackson was only partially right. Liam did get drunk that night, but he didn't forget about the school leader laying comfortably inside the Inman Park home. And then this fool comes stumbling in at 4 o'clock in the morning, and boy, am I about to go off. And he goes, baby, I want to show you a surprise. And I, I don't know, I just shook my head. Okay, baby. So he lit us up some weed and passed it to me, and the day was so good. So I just started to relax at that point. I didn't want to ruin anything. Cicely followed Liam. He unlocked the bedroom and led her into the master bathroom. I walk into the closet, and through the other side of the bathroom he's showing me, and I see he saw like a a tiny hole in the door. I'm like, no, 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 no. And Liam drops to his knees and kisses my hands and telling me to trust him. <sighs> and I just trust him. I'm like, sweetheart, it's your surprise. It's everything's going to be okay. And Cicely trusted the young man in front of her with all her heart. He guided her into the closet and brings over a chair and motions her to sit. And then he pulls out this heart-shaped blindfold and promises me not to look. I'm like, okay, now, I've watched my fair share of pornos. I, I, I just, why do I gotta wear a blindfold behind a damn hole in the door? It, it just didn't seem right. Doing something wild and exciting was always on Liam's bucket list. He pleaded with Cicely to help make his fantasy a reality. Did Cicely really trust the young man? And was she really about to perform this sexual act? 
I nodded and put the blindfold on and he shut the door. My whole body was shaking. Liam explained that he needed a second to get ready and he'd be right back. Cicely promised not to peek. She didn't want to ruin the fantasy for the man she spent months doing her best to please. So this guy finally comes back out and bangs on the window. He's like, get your drunk ass in there. You know, I don't really feel comfortable going into all this other shit, you know, the shit that we spoke about offline, so we can cut here. Neither Marcus nor Cicely like to talk about what happened next. But for the purposes of this story and the ongoing investigation, they've agreed to share their horrific experience for the first time ever. And I got to the hole and... And as I'm... And as it's happening... I just know something's wrong. Just, it didn't feel right. It didn't, it didn't feel the same. And then I realized that's, that's definitely not Liam. When Cicely ripped off the blindfolds and swung open the door, to her horror, the person standing there with his pants down around his knees was... I, I just collapsed. Everything I been drinking that night just just came up. Dr. Cicely Jackson ran out of the house cursing Liam Cambridge's name. But Liam was long gone. By the time the authorities arrived, Cicely had found the letter addressed to both her and Marcus on the kitchen table. And this piece of shit blamed what he did all on me just because I was the one who made it to the NBA and not him. He gonna say that I forced him into a state of depression and was the reason why he had suicidal thoughts. Fuck that! The letter was mostly incoherent, but here are the highlights. In addition to blaming Marcus, Liam accused Cicely of grooming and taking advantage of him ever since he was a young teenager. Liam described the sexual encounters the two shared with the earliest contact being the summer of his ninth grade year. Liam accused Cicely of threatening to fire him and kick him out of his apartment. He said she wanted to take back everything she ever gave him, like the car she helped him afford. He claimed all the problems going on in his life were because of Cicely's manipulation. Both Marcus and Cicely have maintained that Liam's accusations then and now are the lies of a psychopath. The whole thing is crazy. I filed a police report that same night, but the police basically said they couldn't do anything for me but document what happened. The best advice they could give me was make a paper trail that could possibly lead to filing criminal charges. I was so pissed. Later that same night, an email containing nudes of Dr. Cicely Jackson was sent to staff and parents of Rosa Parks Leadership Academy from a mysterious burner account. Atlanta Public Schools opened an investigation and fired her almost immediately. Cicely believed Liam to be the culprit. I thought to myself, this is him. This fucker won't stop until I'm ruined. But I couldn't even prove I was being blackmailed by Liam because he disappeared. The authorities couldn't find him. It's like this fucker just disappeared. All accounts of him were gone. Liam's 404 cell phone number was deactivated. The Lexus Cicely co-signed was left in the garage of his Howell Mill apartment. Cicely discovered that Liam stopped making payments, leaving her to foot the bill. I had to let the car get repossessed. More importantly, she lost the relationship she had with her kids. Here's Monique. I just can't believe 
she allowed this kid to manipulate her like that. Things should have never gone that far. And I'm still embarrassed, if we're being honest. I refuse to even look at her. We haven't spoken in months. Today, Cicely works at a Dollar Tree in College Park, hoping to one day get her life back on track. Liam Cambridge became a ghost that left behind nothing but pain and suffering. Dr. Cicely Jackson doesn't like to talk about Liam. It took the desperate call from Patty Taylor for her to reopen the wounds of her story. She seemed scared and desperate, and I thought, oh, Lord, it's him. It's really him, and he's doing it again to this Virginia Collins, and she sure as hell sounds a lot like me. I told Patty right then and there on the phone to tell her sister to run. I was like, if she knows what's good for her, she'll get that boy the hell away from her right now. Get him the hell out of y'all's lives. For Patty, the stories from both Coach Davies and Dr. Cicely Jackson was like stumbling into a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. She spent weeks brainstorming the best way to expose Liam Cambridge for the lying maniac he truly was. My mind, body, and soul was telling me to run up on Liam and put him in his fucking place ASAP. But I just wanted to make sure Virginia and the kids were safe. That was the main thing for me. But legal options and private investigators were all on the table at that point. But his Aunt Patty worked in secret to build a case against Liam. Virginia had a secret of her own. During an AAU stop at the Adidas Gauntlet in Las Vegas, Liam surprised Virginia after the team was asleep in their hotel. He said, why wait to get married when they could do the damn thing now? The whole thing was recorded. And Virginia Collins, do you take Liam Cambridge to be your wedded husband, to live together in the bonds of marriage? I do. This is part two of four of the AAU murders, the investigative series about death and abduction caught firmly in the intersection of high school sports. If you'd like to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends, families, and coworkers to subscribe. The AAU Murders is written by Corey Deshawn Wooten for Layered TV and narrated by Preston Scott as Banks McVally. The AAU Murders was created by Corey Deshawn Sound design and editing for this episode were done by the talented folks over at Resonate Recordings. Numerous voices lent their time and talents to make the AAU murders a possibility. Many thanks to Preston Scott as our narrator, Banks McVally, Vivia Armstrong as Patty Taylor, Christian Daddio as Cicely Jackson, Ryan Latimer as Marcus Jackson, Raymond Gordon Jr. as Jason Kirschnick, Charisma Cato as Monique Jackson, Evan Miller as Coach Benjamin Davies, Simone Williams as Sammy Joseph, and Cerveza Vida as Pamela Estevez. Without you all, none of this would have been possible. And last but not least, thank you to the Day Ones, our listeners. If you want to reach out to us about this work, please feel free to follow us on Instagram or Facebook at AAU Murders, or check us out at www.aaumurders.com. Murders.com.